podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Is this good evening ladies and gentlemen thank you uh for tuning in to another edition of touchline fracas the chessy edition um i'm timson i'm here with my co-host babs how we doing bro i'm not doing too bad myself timson how are you doing yeah doing i want to say good but when my team is losing some of its star talent, um, it's hard. It's hard. But um, yeah, thank you for tuning in, um, you the listener. Um, we've got a full agenda for you today. We're going to talk about the Blue Academy exodus. We're going to talk about um, the squad and some hypotheticals. And we're going to get through to some questions um, from the listeners that, we, that have been provided. So um, without any further ado, let's just get into it. First up, we have um, announcements that Lewis Bate has joined Dinel Sameo in exiting the club. So uh, Lewis Bate has now signed a three-year deal with Leeds with the first season to be with the development squad with a view to getting him into the first team squad um, the season after. So what's your initial reactions on it, Babs? So initially, um, I thought to myself that it's quite interesting because we've seen this pattern of... um, the youngsters leaving this window and so honestly my initial reaction was actually happiness you know because at, at the beginning of the season well halfway through the season and me, me and Joe Tweed's friend of the show we had a conversation and I said I'm a bit worried about a lot of these young guys you know they're, they're getting to 18 19 age spot you know they're still in a, in a dev squad not that that's a bad thing but what what is the next pathway for them and what six months later we're starting to see them to leave the leave the nest and go to big Premier League teams, you know, this is really, and I think it's just a, a perfect advertisement for the Chelsea Academy, you know, so yeah, we are making good professional footballers and they are ab- able to get them careers going forward. Um, Ideally, you'd want them to stay here, you know, and play a part in the squad, but, you know, look, I, I, I can't do anything but applaud and respect when, you know, young professionals want to go and take their careers to their own hand and just play as many games as possible. And the fact that um, he's gone to Leeds it does indicate to me that he, there is a potential pathway for him, as you mentioned. And I've just got to hope that he just takes the opportunity with two hands and he smashes it. That's very magnanimous of you, Babs. Uh, for me, I'm never going to be happy that much my, my squad is getting weakened and um, we're losing talented players. But I definitely understand it. And um, for the individual, I wish them the best of luck and good for you. And... Um, when I first saw it, this is a player that um, has been in a, he's been in a couple 
multiple match day squads towards the end of last season, but he's never actually managed to um, fully debut and make the pitch. So um, he, he's always been there or thereabouts, but that's before you get like new signings coming in. That's before mm. you get Tino Angerin fully in, in an integrated into that first team squad. That's yeah. before Billy Gilmore starts. Can I jump in and ask a question real quick, please? Yeah, yeah, go for so, it. So I understand you mentioned the squad's getting weakened, but do you think there's also this um, problem whereby it's not just senior players, you know, locking their pathways, but it's also like the fact that you've got a, a young Billy Gilmore in the same position, similar age group. And as has been reported, they do believe he's a bit further in his development. So do you think that it's kind of a thing of like, it was going to happen anyway? Yeah, like as I was saying, um, obviously, first team players, new signings, but then you still have Tino Andrew who Tuchel kind of likes. You still have Billy Gilmore. You still have Ethan Ampadu who can come back and impress potentially. Trevor Chalabas had a really good season um, in the top five, in top in in the top five league. So yeah, it is academy players, and Chelsea have always said not all of them are, are going to come through, and this is just um, that coming to fruition. I think so. It's just what it is, what it is. Um, just to recap, the players that have left so far um, confirmed is Mark Gerhi, obviously one that's probably the sorest for a lot of people. Personally, um, I thought he was a talented player, but I just didn't have that affinity towards him, like in terms of, yo, that's my guy, I'm going to ride for him. I knew he was a good player, but I didn't like feel that affinity towards him the same way I do a Charlie Masonda, uh, Callum Hansen Adoy, or even a Fikayo Tomori to an extent. So he's now gone to Crystal Palace, and I think um, he's a player that Chelsea are going to Chelsea football pundits are going to are going to wonder why Chelsea let him go. Um, and then obviously we have Daniel Semeu. Um, when the Fabrizio Romano tweet came out and said that he'd uh, signed for Southampton, a lot of the quote tweets said, "Who is he?" If you don't know the academy, just say you don't know the academy. You don't need to say you don't know him. If you watched the last FA Youth Cup final that we lost to Man City, you would have seen like a mini battle going on between him and the Premier League's top scorer, uh, Liam Delap, who like is no he's no he's no easy player to mark himself. So those are two players that are confirmed to go. Players reportedly on the way out is um, our current this year's Academy Player of the Year, Tino Livramento, who's um, surprisingly going to Brighton. Um, to seemingly compete with Tarek Lamptey. Uh what do you think of that move, Babs? I think it's an interesting move. I, I do, and I, I just, I do think it indicates that there is probably a, a chance of him starting. Like, I don't know if I don't know what the injury record is right now with him, Lamptey, but we did see him towards the end of the season. Like that, that um, returned it. It kept giving extending and extending and extending. And if um, Lamptey's not to be able to be trusted in terms of his fitness, or if they are to look to um, push Lamptey forward in terms of um, transferring him, it does make sense to get a Livermento now. You know, it's a tried and tested method for them. You know, a young wing, wing back from Chelsea. You know, we, we do, we've do we always produced these wing backs over the last five years, especially, you know, with the change in the system. So the fact that they've seen this already work, it does look to be a bit of future planning. But then I, I do have to question the fact that what if Lamptey stays fit next season? You know, will he start consistently? Will he start at all? You know, would he have had a better chance of staying here and starting? You know, but there's many questions that to be asked, and I guess the only thing we can wait to see is the future. You know, personally, like that, that it does it does sadden me because, as I've said on on the podcast many a time, I, I think he's the, the gem of the academy. Like I love Andrew, you know, I, I love Bay, 
you know, all, all these guys. But for me, this guy here, he is the gem. And for me, to, to lose a player of his talent, and I hate to use the term, but ceiling, you know, potential, like I, I think he's going to probably buy us in the arse more than any of the other ones. Just in the fact that he suits the current system already, you know, he's already physically able. We can we really see he's, he's a literal beast at 18. You know, he's got technical, he's technically able as well. He's able to play both sides of the wing right position. So maybe that's why they Brighton have brought him, you know, maybe to filling out left wing back because they do have Dan Byrne there. I don't know about you, but having six foot seven Dan Byrne bombing forward at left wing back isn't exactly, you know, probably the best choice of, of um of squad planning. So yeah, it, it does indicate to me that he, he will be going to go and get more opportunities at Brighton and he's taking his career into his own hands. Very nicely said. I echo the similar sentiments. I think I did hear I did hear whispering that um, Tariq Lamptey might have been on the transfer list. Not that they wanted to sell him, but um, bigger teams might have come in for him. So they were looking at a replacement. But now he's in. He's going to need that full season to consolidate himself. He's never played a full Premier League season as well. So even if they split the shifts at right wing back i think tino livramento um will can we'll see we'll see the we'll see pitch time um also in terms of com- in comparison he's not he, he's definitely got the height he's got the physique so he'll probably be more able to deal with the robustness of the premier league um as well as having that technical grounding that um our academy players are known to have so yeah he's definitely someone that i thought in this current system Definitely. I thought um, previously under Lampard, I thought, could he transition into a right back? Um, maybe. But as a, as a wing back, he's like that is that is his natural um, ideal position. So he can maraud up and down that right hand side. And I thought people were talking about Hakimi, Hakimi are like Hakimi doesn't mean that you don't need to sign. Uh, you need to get rid of Livermento or Livermento's path is closed. Um, to be honest, ultimately, I think it does. Um, even now that he's not here, he's still got to compete with Reese James, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Equator on occasion. And now we're hearing, we're seeing reports that Tuchel has taken a shine to Dujon Sterling, who's come out of the wilderness as well. So this is another player that was a Tino Livermento before a Tino Livermento. So like it is a large part of it is down to just a lack, just um, an abundance of options. So um, I wish him well. I would hate to see him leave, but I think it looks all but inevitable according to a couple of sources. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, and then secondly, we have Miles Pert Harris. For me, I've always seen, like, obviously, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as the prototype, Tino Andrian as the 2.0, and then Miles Pert Harris, I'd like kind of like quietly called the 3.0 just because he's of a similar similar build but um they are different players it looks like he's um linked to a move to Brentford how would you feel about Miles Pert Harris going he's probably the one I'm um after Simeo he's probably the one I'm least like upset about just for the fact that we have very similar players um in Ruben office sheet we're still signed to prove and Tino Andrian um in the mix I just felt like his pathway and his unique skill set was already kind of duplicated twice over in those two players yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I would echo the same sentiment, you know. I've seen a lot of people say he's like the least talent of the group, but I do think one one thing I always say with um with um these young talents is you've got to take a pinch of salt in the fact that you don't know how they're gonna um actually acclimatize to, to the senior game. You know, he you never know. He he may just take to it like like a duck to the pond and he may just go from strength to strength. 
you know, and um, I do think it is a good move for them to go to Brentford. You know, they are a team that play forward for you can attack in football. And not just that, but they have a very intricate scouting system. So it kind of indicates to me that they, they, they've probably earmarked him and um, Simeu, um, who they initially had, um, uh, who, they were, who they were initially linked to signing as well. So it does kind of like echo, echo to me the fact that they do, t- they do actually rate these academy players highly. So it's not just us, you know, overhyping them saying, you know, oh, you know, th- these guys are amazing. They must start. Not saying that I'm saying they must start, but it, it just it just backs up the point that these guys are actually talented, you know. And even the even the players that people don't rate as much, you know, they are going to Premier League teams. You you can't argue it, you know. I know a lot of people are saying the whole thing are like, oh, you know, they'll be in League One, you know, in a couple of years' time. But hey, look. <laughs> the proofs in the pudding. They're, they're in the Premier League right now, baby. You <laughs> know, they're, they're, they're and, and well, all I can say for him is that I just hope he goes and smashes it. You know, like for, for me personally, I'm not one of the people that believes in the whole, oh, you know, if he's not a Chelsea, I don't want to do well. You know, look, for me personally, as a Chelsea fan, my favourite part has always been following the academy. I'm not saying I don't love the wins, the UCL wins, the Premier League, but for me, the academy is the heart and soul of the team. So I'm always going to have like this inherent bias towards them in terms of wishing the well. You know, so seeing him go off to the go off to another to a premier side, it just makes me happy, and I do have to wish him the best because I do think he's a talented player. I do think he has the physical attributes to to suit the Premier League, and he does have a good shot on him. So I don't think he'll struggle in in, in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I don't think the physical aspect um, after after an adapt, adaptation period will be an issue. Um, what? Brentford is one of those teams along with Huddersfield that scrapped their academy um, in favour of kind of like a B team model. And um, please, for those who don't know about Brentford, please do not sleep on their scouting. Um, their scouting is elite. They're looking at players from all over. Um, they've signed, they've, they've made some great signings in the likes of um, Ivan Tony. Um, yeah, um, they've they've scout. I've I've seen them linked to players from in the Scandinavian league, linked to the linked to Scandinavian champions in Glint, um, and Pert Harris obviously just um, kind of suits that fits that mold of player. Um, I'm a big fan of Josh De Silva as well, um, and I think it'd be interesting to see if they try and mold him in uh, mold him in a similar fashion. Now, um, let's talk about kind of their thoughts on the criticisms that players have had. So I've seen on Twitter that a lot of players are going, are posting pictures of your Christiansons, your Rhys James's, the players, the, the, the academy players have gone out on loan and kind of um, established themselves as mainstays in the first team. They've gone out and goes, oh yeah, you have to, fair play to these players. They've gone out and fought or they've earned it. Um, what would you say to those criticisms that these young players who are leaving are running away and they're afraid to kind of fight for their, their spot in the team? I find it quite laughable, you know, because this whole fight for your spot in the team, you know, earn your stripes is on, in my opinion, is, is nothing short of just, it's just, it's just, it's just plain ignorant. You know, like we've seen the likes of Lucas Piazon go on 10 loans. If that's not earn your stripes, I don't know what is, you know, so I don't think it is as, um, as black and white as these people tend to um, try to insinuate and say, oh, you know, if you want to make it at Chelsea, you'll do this, this, that, and the other. As, as if to say that it's just one, you know, set um, blueprint that, that a player has to be to, to get into the first team. And I don't know, I, I find it a bit weird because it, it does seem as though these guys are trying to like shit on the players a bit, excuse my language. And and it does feel as though it, it, it's, it's coming off as like a bit of a bare X, you know, like, oh, you know, 
this, that, 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 and the other. But in, 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 the, in actuality, if you don't care, you know, about these players, you shouldn't be that angry. You know, like at the end of the day, you know, you haven't really watched them. You know, you wouldn't feel that attachment. So you should, if anything, you should just be happy that, you know, we're getting some extra money, you know, for, for the transfer key. You know, I, I do find, I still do find it a bit weird because it, it does feel as though Chelsea fans, they, 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 they tend to be quite possessive as well on top of that over academy players specifically, you know, the, the whole, oh, you know, you have to go alone thing. I, I don't know. I've, I've just never liked, I've never really liked it, you know, because I just feel like as a club, we, we tend to, yes, loans are there for development, but, it, but they do feel as though you're being thrown out on loan kind of just to get you out of the way and just allow the current squad to be within the squad limits, you know, in terms of like numbers, etc. And it's a bit obvious that these guys here, you know, in this current current crop, they're not having it. You know, they want to go, they want to go play games. They want to start consistently. And, we don't have to, and they don't want to come back and be bench players, you know, like the likes of Gurhi, for instance. You know, a lot of people were saying that, oh, you know, he'll be a good um, fifth choice, fourth choice centre-back, fifth choice centre-back. And it's like, why, why do you think a 21-year-old who's gone off to Derby, played in the playoff championships, played 40 games, as in started 40 games last season, why would he want to be a fourth-choice centre-back, a fifth-choice centre-back? It, it doesn't make any sense. You know, like, and not just that, we're Chelsea, you know, we're a team that likes to buy players. So him being a fourth-choice, fifth-choice centre-back this season... You never know we where we wanted to buy the, the next hot prospect, you know, next season and just pushing back down even more. So for me personally, I think it's a good thing that these guys are going away. You know, like they, they, there's this whole thing of like people say, you know, we have to have, we have to have these buyback clauses. You know, we have to have this, we have to have that. But at the end of the day, you don't, you don't really need them if the player wants to come back. Because look, we, we can have a, we can have whatever buyback clause you want in the, in the girl here. Um, in the guy, he's on contract. But if he doesn't want to come back, he's not going to come back. So I just feel as though Chelsea fans, you know, there needs to be a le- at least be a lot less, you know, a lot, a, a, just a lot less. So that, oh, you know, these guys, they belong to us. You know, j- just just, just let go, you know, let, let, let it go, you know. Let, let these guys go ahead and play football. Nicely said, Babs, nicely said. Um, shout out to the Secret Scout on Twitter. He um, put it best in that, for ever, I said it on Twitter as well. So when I saw someone saying, um, shout out to Andreas Christensen, he was patient and he got his opportunity. And I quote tweeted it and said, for every AC, there's a um, three or four Matez Delaches. So at one stage, this was a goalkeeper who was our longest serving player at the club. He'd been there almost 10 years, nine loans, never made a single appearance at the club. Um, I've listened to him on other podcasts and he's mentioned that um, like there was times where he was staying at Petacek's house and Petacek was speaking to his agent to get him a loan instead of the club facilitating loans. Um, he was so, he was so stuck in that system and Secret Scout said it best in terms of Chelsea, uh, the Chelsea Academy and the Chelsea, um, the Chelsea hierarchy has many faces the one face is obviously the Mason Mounts, the Hudson Adoys, and the AC is going on loan, not Hudson Adoy, obviously, um, coming back and adding value and becoming first team players. Others are your likes of your George McEachrins with all the talent in the world, your Lucas Piazons and Matej, Matej Delaches, who have just been used for essentially loan fees and profit, a profit generating machine. So there's many different faces. So 
And um, I think there's different ways of betting on yourself in that sense as well. So these players who have decided to bet on themselves and go, I'm betting on myself that I'm going to leave the comfort of a, of a big club, a champion, a European champion, a state-of-the-art facility, somewhere that I've been um, since a young age and I'm going to go to men's football and I'm going to um, bet that my ability is good enough to get me into the Premier League, whereby um, instead of in staying comfortable in Chelsea's academy, um, I want to go out and play now. That's one way of betting on yourself. Another way that play, that fans might prefer would be like um, when Reese James, when he went to Wigan, he was going to Wigan um, knowing that the right back had won a player's player of the year or manager's player of the year the, pre the previous season. So he's bet on his ability to go in and go, I can out, I can oust this guy. Um, so there's two separate, there's different ways of betting on yourself. And I just think this is just one way of it. In regards to the fans who have an issue with it, um, it's the same. These are the same. These are probably the same fans who took an issue with um, Hudson-Odoi getting a hundred, um, and 20k as a base salary and 180k if he hits his targets or Tammy demanding to be on par with hudson Adoy. it's like because they're academy players you feel like you own them and then they should be happy to take anything that the club offers them it doesn't work like that they have they bet on themselves and they know their value and just because you they they came from the academy they are not enslaved to you the same way if a parent does wrong by you consistently the fact that they brought you into the world does not does not give you the does not give them the right to kind of um, mistreat you and, and use you to your to their own gains so with that said um i just think any criticism towards the players um is silly because leaving chelsea there, there, there's no there's no more comfortable situation than staying at chelsea's academy um, and being known as a chelsea academy talent um in comparison to going to these clubs where they're not owed anything they're just on the payroll like anybody else they have no special kind of attachment to the groundsmen the the kit the the, the kit ladies or anyone or any anything like that so um that's what i have to say on it in terms of um kind of past cases We've seen previously, let's exclude like the players who didn't purely come from the academy. So your Kevin De Bruyne's, your Mo Salah's and um, Romelu Lukaku's and stuff. Um, past cases suggest Chelsea players don't really go ahead and flourish um, in terms of that top level um, top level, aside from obviously the pseudo academy, the pseudo talents that I've mentioned. What do you think about this, Babs? I think I think it's a fair statement. I think it's a fair statement, but I think people are a bit too close-minded in, in the fact that the 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 top the top being top four, you know, playing in top four, that's the top one percent of football at the end of the day. You know, the, the likes of Ake, you know, Chalabar, Aina, Boga, who've all gone away and they're playing top flight football. Those guys there are other examples of players that have left. And I mean, you, you can't exactly just say, oh, you know, but they're not playing for that in the best teams in the world. That that, that doesn't mean that they 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 were players you can't regret. That you can regret, sorry. You know, I I think it's a bit closed-minded from Chelsea fans at times. Cause you never know what would have happened if they stayed here, you know. They may they may not have developed as well as they did. They may have developed even better, you know. Like I think you've got to look at it in a bit more broad terms, you know, playing football at the top level, that that is a success in its own, and that is a success of the academy in its own, you know producing these top these top players so i don't feel as though it's, um, it's as easy as just brushing off and saying that you, there's there's these um there's this perception that they don't really flourish because they, they they clearly are if they're playing top flight football 
you know, you've got the likes of Nathan Chalaba, you know, he's just come back again up with what champion, um, captain in Watford, you know, he's going to be playing the Premier League again. You know, that that's a success. That is a success. Exactly. So there's varying levels of success. In terms of going above and beyond Chelsea, like um, <clears throat> to use a different team for, an, for as an example, um, a player who's probably like gone to heights beyond Arsenal um, would be like world class, um, world class um, ability. Um, at times, he's gone to Bayern Munich. He's won the league. He's won the Champions League. Um, German international. He's very much gone above and beyond um, any the ceiling that Arsenal probably had for him, and he's he's flourishing. And he's like he like him going to Arsenal would be a step down for him at this point. There's no Chelsea player who's left the club who's gone on to do that, but there's varying players who's gone on to carve very season careers uh, for themselves in professional football. So even if you want to look at it close to home, <clears throat> Jack Cork has done very well. Um, Nathan Ake has gone on to become like a, um, a Dutch international. He's now obviously made it, got his top four move. So I'm expecting good things from him last uh, this season. Uh, who else? Patrick Van Arnholt would, was someone that I wouldn't have minded having back um, after becoming an international and going to obviously Palace and um, and kind of uh, and showing that he's one of the better left backs in the league. Um, there's just so many that you can just that you can link to, but equally there's so many that you can kind of mention in terms of players that just never made it. I'm gonna go old school and mention like a player. Um, only my old school football manager Dons will probably remember Tom Taiwo um, as someone who kind of tumbled down the football leagues. Uh, Dominic Solanke was someone that was highly regarded. Scott had that what 84 goal season with Tammy Abraham in the academy. Um, he's only just finding his feet after kind of not after um, a tumultuous time in the Premier League with Bournemouth and Liverpool. He's now kind of found his feet in the championship and he's kind of building himself back. Rian Bruce has not really kicked on from youth football. Um, so these are players that like we've let go, but we haven't really um, felt the sting of letting them go, letting them go because they haven't kicked on to bigger and better things. But um, yeah, there's there's always there's always a first. The same way Mason Mount said he's going to be the first player to break in the squad um, after John Terry, even though that turned out to be Hudson Odoi um, in terms of like becoming a mainstay in the squad. All right, <clears throat> moving on. Um, how did Chelsea prevent this from happening? Um, in your opinion, Babs, is there anything they can do to kind of stop this, um, this kind of leakage of talent? Mm, I don't think they should really prevent it. I think they should actually um, encourage it. You know, it, it allows for you to have a less of a, of a messy squad, you know. You're, wait, you're, wait, wait. Babs, are you advocating for Chelsea to, are you, are, you, are you suggesting Chelsea should advocate their players to leave? Wait, let, let, me, finish. let, fact, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Please let me finish. elaborate. Let me finish. <laughs> I'm not saying you know, Tim. Oh, when you're it's on that brother from AFTV. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'm not saying just say, hey, you know, no, you're 18. You got me at the house. I, I just mean in terms of like, rather than just keeping them around, you know, between that 80 to 21 age zone. You know, if they want to leave, allow them to leave. And if you have a player that you think is a top level talent, you create that um that pathway for them to come into the team. That I think those are the only two ways you can go about. It. I don't think there's a way you can prevent it. Because if you do prevent it, you know, you prevent the likes of like Bay, you know, Simu, et cetera, leaving. They just end up staying there until like 21. They're not really starting. 
and we just end up just leaving leaving on the free anyway. So I, I do feel as though it's kind of a thing you have to be you have to be a bit cutthroat, as bad as it sounds. And the fact that you got you just got to say you know what if you want to leave you can leave. But if if there's these players that you know they they are top talents you know the likes of your Livermentos, then I think those are the guys you need you need you must make the pathways for, you know rather than just having them going through on continuous loans. Yeah, I feel you. Um, <clears throat> for me, there's two things they can do in terms of, well, there's a couple of things. The first thing is don't let it run into 18 months on a deal. I think from 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 two and a half years, you need to start making overtures about a player's contract. If, they, if, they're, if they're playing hardball with two years left on their deal, um, that's when you should probably um, accept that you're going to sell because you're looking at the signings. Um, what is it? Lewis Bate is 1.6. Uh, Mark Gurhi is 20 million, which is pretty much for his ability of steal. Uh, Daniel Sameo is probably uh, is, is another one that's like 1.6 with add-ons. Um, and the other players are going to go quite cheap because they've got like 18 months to 12, 12 to 18 months on their deal. So they need to like shift these players when they've got at least two years on the deal. So they, they retain um a lot of their value still secondly probably if they're resigned to letting these players go you need to get the sell-on clause they've managed to do it with Mark Gurhi and Daniel Simeu uh, they've managed to do that I'm not sure about Lewis Bate not 100% sure so I didn't want to don't want to give out false information um, so that's a good move um, and then probably just be more decisive with these players because a lot of people on the outside are thinking oh Chelsea are losing their best players um, they're losing Miles Pat Harris for every Malpert Harris or um, kind of Gerhi, Simeu or Bate, we've got a Leo Castle dying coming through. We've got a Charlie Webster coming through. We've got a, um, we've got, we've got so many talents coming through. We've got, um, we just signed Michael Elise's little brother um, to the, to the academy on, I think a scholarship. So the, like the conveyor belt isn't stopping anytime soon. So, um, it's just kind of preparing for next time around. Um, and I think for that, making sure that there's um, a better progression path for each of these players uh, and better communication to make these players feel wanted. Because at the moment, um, all they're doing is seeing things, um, seeing players around them that are slightly above them in terms of the pecking order and obviously the um, progression throughout the academy process and thinking when is it going to be my turn and will there be space for me when it is my turn to kind of progress to the next step of the first team so um, yeah there's a couple of things they can do will they do it who knows who who knows if Tuchel's the manager for a longer period of time maybe but for now um, we'll see what they do Cool. So enough about um, the Chelsea Academy. Let's talk about the squad. So currently there's been no signings thus yet, uh, thus far. Um, a lot of people are getting quite stressed out. I, for one, am not one of them. Um, I would be quite happy if, well, not happy, but I would be more than okay for us to continue the season with um, the players that we have at our disposal. So the players that we had in the current squad last season, um, bolstered with a couple of players from the lone army who have kind of stopped, stepped up their game and impressed Tuchel. Babs, how would you feel if there were no signings this summer? Mostly, I, I wouldn't be too pressed. I, I do think Chelsea fans, are they're being a bit too over the top. Like <laughs> It was only a year ago when we, when we spent a quarter of a billion you know, 
on a new transfer, you know, a shiny new striker, a lovely new creator, you know, a, a young maverick, you know, a talented, you know, at the end of his career, experienced centre-back and what is now our first choice goalkeeper, as well as our left-back. So, you know, I, I do feel as our squad still is in a strong space. You know, I think the only problem and the only worry will still be the goals. You know, will Timo, you know, turn turn around? The, um, will, Tino turn, will Timo turn a new page? Who knows? You know, will our front three be a bit more lethal? Who knows? Because at the end of the day, look, if it's going to be Mount, you know, if it's going to be like a Mount, Timo, you know, Kai, you know, front three, I'm going to be expecting a whole lot more goals from them, you know, like, to be honest with you, like, what, what, they, what they put up this season was pathetic, you know. Mount was our player of the year, you know, he did a, he did a very good job. Under Tuchel especially, um, his goal rate went up, like, really, by, by quite a large amount, but I still feel as though if you're going to be playing in that um, position behind the striker, you're going to have to give me a lot more than what you did last season. So, you know, I, I do feel as though that is like one of the main questions, you know, creativity as well. Is Tuchel going to be a bit more forward thinking? You know, is he going to be a bit more expansive when we play against these um, mid-table teams? You know, I remember those league, I remember those league, Leeds games. You know, I remember those Brighton games, you know, at home, whereby we were just struggling to create, you know, we were a bit lukewarm in our attack. And I do feel as though that's a, I feel like that's more of like a stumbling block for me you know, how we approach those mid-table games than it is for me to get the signings. Because at the end of the day, right, in the big games, I can trust Tuchel. You know, Liverpool's, you know, the Tottenham's, you know, the, the Man City's, you know, I, I can trust him. I know he's going to put out the put out the squad to do the job, but is he going to be able to do the, the mid-table thing? Because at the end of the day, look, there's more mid-table or lower-end teams than there are top teams, you know. And those are, the, those are the games where you pick up the majority of your points throughout the season if you want to challenge for the title. So... Yeah, I think that's more of a stumbling block. But yeah, to get back up, circle back to the transfers. Um, personally, I think it will take a lot for us in terms of transfers for us to be challenging, which sounds crazy considering how much we spent in, in the last year. But I still feel as though the gap between us and um, Liverpool and Man City is still quite large. And then, because at the end of the day, you know, the, the league, in my opinion, is, is a lot harder to win than the Champions League. You know, I do feel the Champions League is still a bigger feat, you know, by reputation, but win, winning playing, sorry, nearly 40 league games, you know, 38 games, is a lot harder to be consistent. You know, it's a lot harder to have that depth of squad. So I do feel as though for us to, I feel as though if we are to make signings, it's obviously for us to be challenging. So I just feel as though the signs we would have to make, there'd be, there'd be, it'd be so much just to, just to bridge that gap in quality. And then you look at, you know, United as well, they're starting to strengthen. You know, Arsenal, there's moments, they're starting to strengthen. So I do feel as though, and the way our squad is currently right now, I am comfortable in the fact that we could, we should be able to get top four comfortably. But now is that next gap, you know, in terms of bridging the, the points gap and challenging for the title. Will signing a Haaland bridge that gap? I don't know. You know, what, what, what do you think, Timson? Oh, all right. So I'll go to the how would you feel um, if there's no signings question first, then I'll go back, then I'll circle back to Haaland. How would I feel if there were no signings? Um, I would be cool with it. I feel like, um, any of these lone players, these um, guys who have been out the squad, um, coming back and uh, adding some fresh blood and rejuvenating the squad in a sense, uh, will feel almost like a sign-in. If you can get like um, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek at his best, it's almost like a brand new sign-in. Um, if you get a Charlie Masonda um, kind of playing, who I absolutely love. I feel like a lot of players love and want him to do well. Um, if you can get him, if you can get a tune out of him, um, he's a problem for the for defenders. Um, 
there's a few players. If you can, um, if you, if you can get like Dujon Sterling being that dynamic wing back that you were hoping for in Hakimi, that's another tactical dimension to um, to help break down players. So you've not only got a, a, a wide, an inside forward um, in one of those two end spots on the hand side who can be a player one-on-one you've got a full back you've got a wing back in Dujon Sterling who's comfortable beating a player um, one-on-one as well so I think I'd be cool with no new signings at this point in time especially if it meant that we were gonna we were gonna it would make it easier in the long run to sign a Haaland and if we weren't able to kind of sign Haaland which I think we will um, next summer it then makes um, it then makes the transfer and transition easier. So, Timson, 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 are you sure? Yeah, are so you sure you think we can we can win that Harlan race next summer? Because I'm looking at it and I'm saying, who's he going to go to? Real Madrid have not signed a player, um, have not paid money to sign a player since uh, Rainier from, and that was like an investment signing, um, even. Even um, David Alaba, who's there, who's there, like pretty much their only signing so far, is a free transfer, um, and that's the only club that I was worried about. Barcelona are shifting players in terms of are shifting players um, to free up the wage bill. They're selling anyone they can get. Trincao, we just signed you, but yeah, you got a bounce. Conrad De La Fuente, yeah, you go Olympic Marseille. It's only three million, but we need that, and we need to free up the wage bill. Um, other than the Spanish club, I'm not stressed. I do not think he's going to go to a PSG. I don't think. Um, I'm not worried about. I'm not. I'm not particularly stressed about any other um, English English club apart from maybe Man City. But it depends on who they. If they. If they. If they sign somebody, I'm like, cool. Haaland is secure. He's not going to go to Bayern Munich. Um, they're not going to deal with Mino and Mino's crazy wages. And also, you got to, you 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 got to pay the toll with um, Haaland Senior as well. I think with Chelsea, um, I feel like it's going to be we all we have almost um, an unencumbered run at him again. Not not to the extent we had that with Kai Havertz, but I struggle to see any other team apart from Man City um, coming with a kind of um, a sustained um, and serious effort, attempt to get him. Um, Liverpool maybe, but they don't spend money like that, especially and then and, and they don't deal with troublesome agents like Mina um, Raiola. So um, and if we were to get him, let's just assume we were to get him for a discounted fee, like we literally get him for an absolute steal, which means he doesn't have the pressure of 150 million um, hanging over his head, meaning that he needs to be top goal scorer for the next five years, and then we need to sell him for like 80, 90 million to make a profit. Um, or for it to be sustained, he can come in just focus on his game. He's not cost. Um, he's not cost a lot of money. He's come in relatively cheap, and then he just needs to focus on football. And we create a better environment for him. Is Harlan the one to? Is Harlan the one to kind of take us up a next level? Strikers are paid the most. Well, attackers are paid the most because obviously it's probably the hardest thing to do: score goals. So, um, a guy who can score consistently, as he's done in his, um, as he's done in Salzburg and he's done at Dortmund, um, I think he's worth the gamble. And if we get him at that 
if we get him at that price, um, it's almost like a free hit because I don't see his value decreasing. Um, even if he has a stinker, we could still kind of loan him out, collect loan fees. But I don't even think he's going to do that. Um, there's a couple of things about his game that I think he needs to work on because he spends a lot of his time um, he spends a lot of his time just preparing um, and getting into the area to finish chances. He'll have to press a lot more in Tuchel's cool system and the Premier League. And we'll have to test his hold-up play because um, he hasn't had the opportunity with the way Dortmund play. So I think he could be that player that turns the knob. And based on world, uh, and based on elite strikers, he's in a very, very small... Um, he's in a very, very small tier of players um, outside of Lukaku. Arku Kane and himself really um, unless you want to go for an agent bet you want to go for a Lewandowski but that's not long term he's probably the most ideal for Chelsea at this point in time um, moving on uh, who from one, I've, got, I've, got, I've got two questions I've got, oh. I've got one question sorry so you mentioned two names there one Ruben Loftus-Cheek two Charlie Mosonda all right, so Timson, we have three attacking spots in our in our team right now. Currently, you know, we have Mount and Timo, who seems to be the, the starters. So that leaves you know one more spot, and then you got what you got Havertz, you got Ziyech, you got Pulisic, you got um, Cho as well. So adding those two to that mix, don't you think that um those two coming back could be a bit detrimental to the other players and minutes? You know. You know, let's say you know we want Cho to be playing in the front in the front line, that inside forward left position. Doesn't having Ruben back in the squad, you know, take away his minutes. You know, Musonda doesn't he also take away his minutes? You know, because at the end of the day, look, if, if you've got more people at the table, that's just most less the pay. I hear you. I hear you. Um, obviously, I would say healthy competition um, is good for a squad. Uh, we're probably inflated, but um, I feel like it's just going to push the squad, and I, and I have confidence in um, the players, and um, it will foster a good mentality in terms of the work rate, the work rate, and um, kind of what needs to be done. You've already seen it in Hudson Adoy. He's kind of um, got a personal trainer. He's training. He's built his body up, he's um, increased his speed as well as his muscle mass, and now he's got a sharpness that um, that coaches haven't seen before, and I feel like that's in preparation to incoming competition, so yes, players might lose, might, 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 um, will inevitably um, see, potentially see less minutes, but um, the best players will, will always play um in the in, in 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 the games that tactically suit them. So um I, I'd rather let the cream rise than kind of complain that there's too much cream. Yeah, fair enough, but you still haven't answered my question. Do you not think those two are gonna eat into other people's minutes and it's gonna just, you know, you know, it's just, it's just more, you know, it's just more slices in the pie. You know, like I know is you know lovely having Ruben back. You know, the whole sentimental touch, you know, oh, you know, he's back from his injury now. You know, he's here at Chelsea. And, you know, hey, look, I want him to do well. It would be amazing for him to do well. But him playing, it does take away minutes for other players. So do you not think that's a problem, potentially? 
I don't think it's a problem because he, he's him and Charlie Masonda, if they're in the squad, they're taking minutes from players. And that like that's not even a debate. Now, um if they if they if they are playing, it's probably because of Tuchel, um, it's it's probably because they deserve to be playing. And if they deserve to be playing, it's probably because they're playing well. So I'd rather those players. I'd, I, I'm happy for players to play to play and take minutes off of players if they're playing better. Fair enough. All right, listeners, I'm going to want you guys to bookmark this because we're going to come back to this during the season. A to see if they're still around, and B to see how they've affected other people's minutes. Also, like if if my boy, obviously everyone knows um, I'm Team Cho, but if my boy is missing out because of them. Um, yeah, I can't complain. But if Pulisic is doing his nonsense, his nonsense from last season and still getting minutes because of his £60 million price tag, I will be complaining. Um, but that's for another story. Like that, that's for further along down the season. Um, so who from the loan group do you think could could stake a claim for a spot? For me, there's three candidates. For me, there's two candidates solidly. Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Dujon Sterling based on reports. Um, and then obviously my dark horse is Charlie Masonda. Who would your three be? Absolutely none of them. Okay, I'm just joking. Okay, if, if I'm to be honest, and looking at that um that um loan batch that return, my hope was for Gurhi to be the guy to replace Zuma. Okay, it doesn't look like he's going to be the one leaving. But... I would want to have Conor Gallagher around. But then again, I have to ask myself, is he going to want to stay around and be in a four-three centre-mid and play the minutes that um, Gilmore did last season? I highly doubt it. Um, who else have we got returning? You know, Matson. he had a good he had a good um, loan at the Valley over at Charlton. They did our boy um, Conor well as well. I think he has a potential chance. I haven't really I haven't seen... I don't know if he's with the, the preseason squad, but I've seen him in a couple of pictures. Yeah, and Chilwell... And Chilwell does need a backup. So if we're able to finally get rid of, the, of that of that man, that, that criminal, I left him back as um, Mr. Ben likes to, likes to refer him, Alonso, it would be nice to have him as a backup option because as we said, you know, having these academy guys there to fill up squad numbers is a cheap, it's just a cheap replacement. So, and he's a talented player at the end of the day as well. So I think he's one. Um, the next one, I think, I think is one that people have said a lot, but Broha, I think he's an interesting one because... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if people rate him, but from what they've seen, or they rate the idea of him. If that makes sense, I, I feel like people have had people have like made this a bit of, this like perception of having like a first striker, you know, waiting around. And I don't know how that works, you know, with, with a young player. So the reason why I've highlighted him is because I think it'd be, it could, I think it could be a bit of a questionable one if he plays that role because I don't see a, a player that's gone out on loan and you know playing a lot of games wanting to come back and sit on the bench for, for game after game after game. So. If he is to be second choice rather than first choice, I do think there's a potential because, you know, we, we, we will be able to rotate a bit more. But if he's a third choice, I think I'd be a bit worried. Um, in terms of, um, if, we, if we're still sticking to, to loan players, in terms of other players, uh, I think I still think it's tough. I think it's tough because um, I would like to see Ruben come back, but in this current shape, I don't know where he does. You know, he, he played a similar system at Fulham. In, in returning the strikers and he wasn't really impressive but Andy, that was just for him to get fit again so I think it's going to be a bit tough for him but other than that I'm not exactly too excited to see um, anybody come back from the lone army see this guy just doesn't believe this guy doesn't believe <laughs> I'm joking um, 
Conor Gallagher, um, I'm a big fan of, but um, I would actually love to see what he could do if he went on loan to Crystal Palace like he was meant to last season and just see what he's doing with, um, see how he does with Vieira and um, the new the new look Palace side that he's building over there with Michael Elise as a Hastelin um, and whoever else signed. So that would be quite interesting. With Martson, um, he's someone who did all right um, at League One footballs, but I think the natural progression would probably be a championship loan, uh, I think, at this point. But uh, especially since you have, you still have um, like Emerson, who's just come off the back of a European Championship win, and um, Marcus Alonso, say what you will, but those are two senior kind of um, wing-backs, able to deputise as wing-backs. And as far as kind of Ian Mapson, I decided after Jada Silva, I'd never fall in love with kind of like a left-back slash um, wing-back in the academy, because if um, after the heartbreak of seeing Jada Silva um, go to Bristol, um, and we still got um, Juan Castillo, who's the, the original Flying Dutchman, um, on loan somewhere. So I'm just kind of like not getting my hopes up for Ian Martin just yet. Yeah, he, he, um, um, Castillo, he went off to Birmingham this season. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that's a good championship loan for him. And hopefully he does well because he, he does have the physicality to, to play in the league. So I can only hope that he does well there. So, um, yeah, just before we get to um, the listeners' questions, I just want to ask you a couple more questions. So, um, say no striker comes in. Say um, I speak it in, I've already spoken it into existence and, um, like, Haaland's coming summer, next summer, and, um, yeah, we have no striker this year. Is keeping Tammy a must? For me, I think... Um, I, I think we can see a resurgence from Tammy. I feel like um, there was... And when it was just him, when it was him, Hudson Adoy and Tina Mandarin um, in the very first preseason training session, it was a very heartfelt hug. So I don't think maybe there's no like personal grudges there. Um, and Tammy's always someone who will get his head down, work um, to impress. So maybe this could be um, a chance for Tammy to kind of um, win two call over. Mm. Let's be honest here, Timson, man. This this guy has put <laughs> this guy this guy's put a hundred a hundred left wing backs on the bench over him. You know, ah, uh, uh, he 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 doesn't seem to be the biggest fan of his either. I feel like the the only thing we can do, you know, whilst he's got two years left in his contract, is just to sell him, and you know, just just split just 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 split paths. You know, like I I don't I don't see the point in wasting time anymore. For me personally, you know, I'm a fan of his. You know, people know that like, he's a natural goal scorer at the end of the day. You can say what you want about him, but he's, the guy scores goals. You know, he scored what one less. He scored the exact same amount of league goals as as Werner did. He scored he scored more goals last season in the league than I believe Timo scored in all competitions this season. You know, he's a natural. He's a natural in front of the goal, and you just have to look at the season on the Lampard. You know what? 15 goals in 25 starts. You know, yeah, he got. I think he got a goal in one of his sub appearances. I think against Palace as well. So, you know, hey, look, like the, the guy scores at a good rate. You know, not, he's not the fanciest, you know, player. You know, he, he's a he's a typical box striker. And they are going to be a lot of frustrations around that. And at a club like Chelsea, you do need to be a bit more well-rounded as that if you want to be a striker. So I do understand that. And I'm not I'm not here advocating that. I think that he should be the starter number nine. But I do feel as though our fans, you know, kind of disrespect him quite a bit. 
they don't, I, I feel as though out of all the academy players, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's he's treated as one of them. If you get what I mean, you know, I feel like there's there's like a lot of like allowances for the other guys, but when it comes to Tammy, he seems to be this own separate entity. And I get it because you know he's, he's a slight bit older, and um, the, the chose and um and one year older than um, amount, but. Even still, then I, I do feel like he's a player that he he deserves respect, man. You know, he, he's clapped goals. You know, he's been a loyal servant to the club. He could tell, like in terms of morale, he he's a big he's a big character in in the dressing room. You know, when those reports were coming out about Rudiger by um certain journalists, this guy was the one who, who was coming out, you know, publicly and saying, hey, you know, you guys, he's chilling, my guy. Like he's not the captain, you know, he's not he's not really a senior member of the squad. But he had the personality to do that. And I do feel like having the kind of players is important in the dressing room, especially when it comes with the goals that he provides. So personally for me, I do think, hey, look, if we can get that 40 million for him, just go and get it, you know, split split paths. I don't think there's any point of trying to like, you know, just stretch what, what doesn't need to be stretched anymore because it does feel as though Tuchel isn't the biggest fan of his. Yeah, I can't I can't agree more. Um I think that's fair. So um out of like players who were in the squad last season, who's your tip for a strong season this year? Uh I'm gonna go with the star boy, Callum Hudson Adoy. He's just been working and obviously we've seen the tweets um from Adam and about how well he's playing. Um and obviously he scored in the squad intra squad friendly today. So um People, he, he's added, he, he's just gone up a level in terms of his ability, of his professionalism and his um, approach to his, his approach to football. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, for me personally, it's going to be a bit of a left field one. I'm going to go with Mount. I'm going to go with Mount. And it's going to sound crazy. Eh? But it's gonna, I know it's going to sound crazy. It's going to sound crazy, but... The, the kind of player he is, the kind of attached attitude we, we've seen him have already, I feel like he's one of those players that he's only just going to keep ascending and ascending as the squad gets more competitive. And I won't be surprised if he just brings out an absolutely insane season. You know, I'm a big fan of his, as people know. You know, um, I did believe he should have been a um, player of the year in, the, in, in, in his first season as well. But I do feel as though he's going to have a crazy season. But if I'm going to go with a left field choice, because I know that was a question, uh, for me personally... For me personally, oh, it's a tough one, man. It really is a tough one because the only really players I can really think of are obviously the guys that haven't started as much so like the Chos and the players that I've started but haven't impressed so like Timo Werner. And I'm not exactly sure that I can hedge my bets and and not and not and actually be honest in saying that I picked Werner's going to be Werner's going to do well. But my left foot option is going to be Ziyech. Ziyech, I, I think because I think um he did struggle in the fact that. He did have um, as, as much as a, a, a joint season as everybody else did. You know, the, the Dutch league did end a lot earlier than the Premier League um, did. And in within that, you know, he did join the team and he was training a lot, but he didn't really have that much sharpness. And you could see it when he came into the squad initially. You know, we saw like bursts of impact, you know, against Sheffield, against Burnley. You know, we saw he had quality on the ball, you know, against Leeds just before he got injured. And when he came back, you could see that his calibration was just completely off. I do think he's. I don't think he's a player that's really gonna like ever like adjust the intensity of the Premier League, and I wasn't really the biggest fan of him of us initially signing him because I didn't really think he he suited the league specifically. But I do think if we look at our most creative players, he's right up there. And if we want to unlock a defense, if you want to supply a striker like a Haaland, you well you're gonna to struggle to look further than a Hakim Ziyech. 
That's a nice shout. My dark horse. Um, I don't. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a dark horse pick to be honest, because um, I know he didn't have the best of seasons. But Kai Havertz is someone who's grown from strength to strength towards the end of the season in the European Championships. Um, I'm expecting him to have a super strong season as well. Um, so, but I don't think that's as surprising. Perhaps, um, yeah. Ruben wasn't in the squad last year either, so I can't really pick him. Um, there's nobody else really that I think um, there's nobody else really that would stand out to me that was in the squad last season. That I think, yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna stick with your, your, your Cho choice, then I'm guessing. Gonna to stick with my Cho choice to have like that strong season. Kai to be one of those players who didn't have so good a season and I also want to give a shout out to because we talked about players leaving um I want to talk about one player that's particularly loading so um Xavier Mbiamba so whilst we're obviously looking at the players leaving this guy is putting out the pie slash Benzema levels of production on his socials with his training content he's grown his hair out He's braided up. He's ready for war. Like he's ready to do war and break into that Chelsea first team. It looks like I just see, I see the determination. Um, when he posted, when he posted the post of I'm coming back stronger um, prior to his recovery, I just felt like this guy is ready to do a madness and he's putting in the groundwork to do that madness. And I hope, I hope it happens this season. Um, so he's someone I think people should keep their eyes peeled for. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. Fair enough. Is he is he with the pre, is he with the preseason squad or? Nah. So um, so they went to so um, they went. He went with the development squad whilst they were somewhere else. I think they went to Scotland, um, and that's why um, the three who are leaving, Livramento, Bay, and Pert Harris, were training with the under 16s Obviously, um, they would have been training with the first team had their contract situations been not not tumultuous. So. Um, yeah, that's why. So he was, I think he was with the development squad. Oh, yeah. Cool. So that brings us to kind of the end um, before we, um, and we'll move on to the, um, we'll move on to the listeners' questions um, and then we'll finish off. Um, Babs, um, do you want to breathe out a few? Happily, happily. Guys, again, as we say, you know, Shout out to Discord listeners. They, these guys take priority, and we we we've seen you guys have really smashed it the questions this week. So, apologies if we don't get to your questions, but we will be answering your questions. We're probably going to put I'll probably put out um a cheeky um a cheeky episode, a cheeky extra episode going through a couple of questions I don't get out through just to you know be a bit nice for for the listeners. So the first question um from Tarisai, shout out to you. You know we appreciate your support. He says, "Who do you believe?" is our most intelligent attacker. And I don't want to say the next part because I I, I know you're a starts in a player, but he also says, and why isn't it Pulisic? <laughs> Boy, why isn't it Pulisic? Oh my. Like so, someone's setting me up to go in on the guy. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, why isn't it Pulisic? Um... Why, first of all, uh, who is it? Um, I'll probably say, oh, mm, probably Kai. Probably going to go Kai. Um, his ability to know when to run in behind, when to, when, how to, um, kind of be that 
Ram Damatar and investigate space. Um, his ability to kind of play, see passes and play them, play those one-twos like he did with Hudson Adoy. I think he's just like, yeah, I think he's box office in terms of like all-round attacking package. So um, definitely, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Kai. Um, why isn't it Pulisic? Um, very little variation to his game in regards to um, in regards to like his style of play so you can see how Kai can play in front of uh, a low block um, you can see him running behind and stretch teams like he did for the Champions League winning goal um, you can see him face up as a target man his ability to adapt to different situations without being told to do so is something that um, I think I haven't seen from Pulisic yet he's um, Pulisic is very much dribble. Um, he showed me a bit of poaching and the desire to get into um, the six-yard box, and he and he benefited from it last season. Um, well, the season before last, but um, very much he's just like he just wants to run at you, head down, run at you, and see what see what happens when it once he gets past you. So that's why I probably wouldn't give it to Pulisic. Fair enough. Um, so we have another question from um, PJ Shahu. So he asked a bit of a, a calculated question here, and he says, um, when he wants to know our opinion on what, what do we think is our most important, what do you think is the most important attribute for a striker? Is it being a threat tactically like a Werner? Is it being a, a naturally good footballer that complements the attack, such as Kai? Or is it someone that isn't exactly as clean as a footballer, but they get as many, but they get loads of goals? So a team, so a, um, a Han or a Tammy, he says, what do you think, Timson? I'm going to go tactically because if you have that tactical adaptability or an ability to understand um, what the team needs tactically and bring and you can do that um, like uh, Timo Werner, one of the reasons why he got in a team um, in the Champions League was because he caused problems tactically for Man City with his um, intelligent movement. Um, and his movement away uh, left a space in the middle of the pitch for Mason Mount to slide that ball through. So I think yeah, if you can under, if you have a ta- if you have an innate tactical understanding of the game, and you can kind of mould yourself uh, game by game into what the team needs, um, you'll probably have a longer career in football than any of the other examples you gave. What do you think, Babs? I think there's a I think there's a balance to be struck because at the end of the day, goals is currency, and there is no currency stronger than gold than goals, man. If you had to pick just one though, if you had if to I pick, to pick just you- one. If I had to just pick one, I I, I think I'm, I'm edging to the Kai, you know, the guy that's more fluid and allows the attack to be a bit more functioning because th- there's no reason why he can't get the goals. But the added fact is the fact, the added, the added um, fact is that the fact is that you're going to be a lot more creative, you're going to be a lot more um, fluent in your attack. And I do feel as though, yeah, you could be as, ta- as um, tactically dangerous as Timo is, but when you have that guy that's able to calmly pick up a pass, you know, make the right decision nine times out of 10. I do think you tend to benefit a bit more because you are going to be a bit more because you are going to get a bit more of a consistent um, result from the actions of the player, if you get what I mean. Goals, and then they, as I said, you know, that is currency. There is no currency stronger than goals. But I do think you can get the goals from that guy. So it's a bit of a cop-out. I know it's a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to go over that, that tactically fluid guy because I'm not going to lie. I, I, I do think Kai can be the answer to our number nine, our number nine woes. I, I do think you know that that nine point five half space that that's where he he benefits the most you know and I do think that as though if we are to play him there, 
and we get the creation going around him, there's no reason for him not to be bagging goals. You know, he's done it already for, for Leverkusen in a lesser team. Nice, what, nice. what do you think, Tim? So do, do, do you think Kai could be the answer or am I, um, am I being a bit too um, forward-thinking there? I feel like he could definitely be um, an interstitial stopgap in between um, Haaland's arrival or a player's arrival, um, a pure goal scorer's arrival. But um, even if he did sign that goal scorer, I feel like Kai would still have those opportunities to play as a false nine and um, kind of do what he does because even if um, a pure goal scorer wouldn't have um, in some games the threat that Kai would bring. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely digging the answer. Defo, defo, defo. And um, next question from Nick. Shout out, Nick. We spoke about these two a bit um, during the podcast. You know, I, I mentioned that he would be my left field choice for a player to perform better in the ZH. And you also mentioned um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, in terms of the fact that you could have a, a, bit of a, a bit of a boost to the squad. So Nick wants to know, um, how do you rate their chances? So how are we actually going to rate their chances of, of them actually being able to do this with a poor preseason at Chelsea underneath their belt? Do we think it's likely or do we, are we being a bit um, a bit too presumptuous? Sorry, is Ruben off to Sheik and who? Um, Ziyech. Yeah, Ziyech. Um, I think Ruben, he's probably got a lot more established talent to beat so he's got to get World Cup winner Ballon d'Or contender Kante out and then um, European Championship winner and um, well I call him an ascended European champion since he's won it twice um, this season at club level and international level um, J5 who's flying high um, Kovacic who I think Kovacic is probably the person he should be aiming to leapfrog because their skill sets um, in terms of ball retention and smart movements are probably better are probably similar but um, I think that would be someone that Ruben should be like I should at the very least be in the pecking order ahead of you and kind of establish myself as third choice midfielder or be in the squad when he does go for a, for a three man midfield um, with, so I think his chances are aren't too bad, too cool, um, likes uh, an athletic PMP player with technical acumen. So um, he'll always have, he, I think he'll get that look though. I think he'll be in the squad regardless, um, which is why I don't think uh, Conor Gallagher will be in the squad. Um, as for Hakim, um, a bit tougher for Hakim because Hakim's never been blessed with that pace to run in behind um, and I think he prefers to start out initially wider and come inside as opposed to being like in those half spaces um, then moving centrally. It's a bit it's a bit harder for Hakeem, but um, he's had a season to kind of understand um, the new manager's instructions or half a season. And he's had this full season to kind of learn. And he seems like he's thriving, obviously, he scored a hat-trick previously. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. And in terms of his deliveries, his abilities to his, his ability to kind of play balls that nobody who plays in those half spaces can. He he's got like a he's got a nice um, weapon um, that works in his favour. What do you think, Babs? Um, so for me personally, uh, Ruben's an interesting one because fitness permitting, he'd hope he'd be able to get the chance in preseason. But I haven't really heard anything in terms of him playing so far during preseason, so I'm a bit worried in the fact that I'm not sure if he if he would get that kind of opportunity. Um, Ziyech, I think is a lot more likely because 
at the end of the day, you know, he's a bit, he's a lot, he's a big signing, you know, he comes with reputation. So I think he's a lot more likely to get on the field to, to exemplify this. So I'm going to go with him as being likely. And I feel like Ruben, I'm not sure, like, you know, Tuchel said a lot of nice things about him, you know, you know, he refers to him as the, as the, um, as, as the um, English ballet and, and all these other nice things, but is, is Tuchel going to want to risk it when we're, if we're going to want to hopefully be challenging for the title this season? I don't know. You know, I, I generally don't know. So I, I do think we're going to have to see early on in the season and a bit late in preseason if he's, if he's actually getting on the field and seeing if he actually performs one each once he does get in the field. So for now, I'm going to have to say no. I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to do that. Um, fair enough. Um, let's do the last couple um, before we call it, before we wrap it up. Um, what's the next question? Agreed, agreed, agreed. So um, the next question is an interesting question because we, we were linked to him previously. So um, Nemo says, if Leon Bailey is indeed available for 30 million, should we get him? He can be an ex- excellent option, left wing back option option and adds more dynamism to left wing and right wing um, roles. What do you think? Uh, before you even answer the question, I, I think that's a bit of a weird one. You know, like, I, I don't, I don't see why we'd want to add another winger to, to a team where we have so many guys you already play on that left-wing position. I don't know about you, Timson. Yeah, I think so. Especially if we're not going to use him in one of those 10 roles because I think his ability to run in behind and cut inside would be um, interesting since it's something that Ziyech doesn't have, that pace in behind to stretch defences. But uh, one could argue that we get that with Kai. If Kai were to play in those um, like false, in those 10 roles, and then to play him as a wing back, um, I'm not really, I don't really see the value in it because um, defensively, I don't know. I'm just going by a stereotype. I've not seen him a lot defensively. So um, stereotypically, wingers aren't um, the best um, defensively. So especially when you have obviously Chile B there, um, Emerson, say what you want about him. He's 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 probably still um, better in terms of two going playing two ways, and then obviously um, the the guys that you mentioned in Castillo and Martin. So it just doesn't make too much sense to me um, that 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 transfer, um, especially since he's uh, on a bit of a decline. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And to end the podcast. One final question for friend of the show, Alexis. Shout out you, bro. We, we appreciate you. So he he asks, um, and I think is a I think is as a um, result of um, a tweet that um, I believe I think it was either Dan or me to put out of our um, current top goal scorers remaining at Chelsea. So he asks, um, if Michi had the same record he currently has, but was a youth graduate, would he be viewed differently? What do you think, Timson? Yeah, uh, shout out to Alexis. Congrats again on becoming a homeowner. Um, big, big step, big step. Um, Mitchy, yeah, obviously his goal scoring record, um, like especially for Chelsea, if you look at the amount of games played or minutes played and the goals he scored um, and, the, and, and the number of goals he scored, you'd be like, wow, it's Mitchy. But it's not just his goal scoring record, it's what he actually does in between those goals. So he doesn't ab- absorb tactical instructions. And for a tactician like um, Thomas Tuchel, that would frustrate the hell out of him the same way it did for Antonio Conte. Um, and then, like, he's hard, he, 
like tactical tactical strategies would be a foreign concept to him anyway because he just kind of I just want to do my thing um and that's what led to heart um Havertz ha- the Hazard playing the false nine um but if we were if we were creating chances and we just needed someone to finish um the same way we Dortmund do with Haaland at the moment, just be just be in the box and be prepared to finish chances. Maybe he could have a role to play, but um I don't think we're going to be in a position where that's going to be the case. Um definitely not in the big in the in, in the big games. Um and what what does he do in terms of movement to make space and shift defenses around when we're coming up against a Newcastle or someone in the low block? I'm not sure. He scores a lot of goals, but he doesn't give you much else aside from that. So with strikers like that, when they don't when when they don't give you much else, um, when they're not scoring, they're absolute liabilities. Like Michael Owen um, type, like he's like I'll score if you get me the ball, but um, they don't work to put you to 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 make it easier for you to get them the ball. Um, is what I got to say. And I'm, I was a big Mitchie fan until a couple of seasons back. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, guys, thanks again for listening. That that was a good um episode tips, and now I'm happy. I was happy to join you. Thank you for having for being on it with me, man. Thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, peace. He done it! Peace. The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. European champions. When I shot my shot, but I didn't have guap, so I hit the post. But next time it's a golden goal. And it- Sports Social Podcast Network.